It's a blessing to be with you this morning. My, my name is Keith Andrews. It's my joy to be with you. I serve among you that the Lord Jesus and his name may be made great. Um, and not only um, in our worship, but in the way in which we live day by day. Thank you for gathering this morning in this house of worship. Thank you for your faithfulness in following, loving, and serving the Lord Jesus and his purposes um, in this part of the beautiful region that everybody else knows as L.A. You, you know the individual cities, but the world thinks this is L.A. So um, I'm glad to be with you today. I, um, I want to... Um, assure you and try to encourage you, if I possibly can, that, that you're not alone um, in the life and the work that we share in Christ. You're, you're part uh, of an emerging and, and growing family in Christ. Uh, we, we just welcomed a new gathering, a small cluster of people in North Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, we're hoping and believing that we might plant four new congregations by gathering planters into this region, one in LA anyway, maybe more. Um, and uh, we're interviewing and talking with people all the time. Would you come? Would you come to this land uh, and help us establish uh, the Lord's kingdom? And uh, I, I want to, I just want to uh, encourage you that, that, that any any effort you make and any gain that the Lord gives you is something that we all celebrate. Um, and uh, there will be stories told about the mighty things the Lord is doing in and among you and through you for his sake um, in, this, in this amazing place in which we live. So I, I want to just give you one passage of, of scripture in case... I wander far afield, and you wonder, where is he going with that? I'm going to tell you up front exactly where I am going. It's verse 9 of this morning's scripture. It's right in the middle of that passage of Jesus and the vine. And, and it's verse 9. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to me by disciples and this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, I wish verse 8 had been the beginning point. So I'm just going to hint at it for you. By this, my Father is glorified. How? That you bear much fruit. And by bearing fruit, so prove to be my disciples. And then, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide. Remain. Uh, steadfastly connect, if you will, to the very love of God. I'd like to walk into this morning's reflection based upon a passage that, that comes a few chapters later uh, in, the, in the Acts of the Apostles and the one we read today. I'll get back to today's, but I wanted to, I wanted to highlight something because I, I believe it's illustrative of what this passage in John means to, uh, to communicate to us today. And it's a time in Paul's life when he was in Athens. 
Now, you know that Paul traveled in Greece and in Asia Minor. Turkey is the primary country uh, that we refer to about that, up into Macedonia. But those were the areas where he spent his primary ministry. And while he was in Athens, he went to the Areopagus, which is a place of oration. It's a place where people would stand on a stage surrounded by statues, all of them representing the various Hellenistic gods. And he's knowing when he goes into that environment that he's standing in a place where the exclusive claims of Jesus would be easily rejected. Now I want you to think about that. Who goes to a place where they're sure to be rejected? Well, disciples go to the place where they are easily rejected. Paul, first and foremost, understood that he was the handiwork of the Lord Jesus himself. And like a servant, serves God's purposes first and goes to an environment where a case can be made for Jesus without regard, truly, with how it will be received. Now we know that those promptings come because disciples are people of prayer. But we go nonetheless into environments where we're unsure and often anticipating the rejection that may come. So he goes into the Areopagus and he spoke of Jesus anyway because his love for the Lord who loved him overcame any reluctance that he had. Remember that passage of Jesus, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. He goes to speak of Jesus in a place where he is unsure or clearly anticipating the rejection. Because he knows that he is utterly and firmly loved by Jesus. And his own love is a response to being loved. Now the, the circumstances in which he found himself are not unlike ours. In this culture in which we live, there are many, many different views. Not only of the Lord, but of the church. And those views often are st stumbling blocks to people. They're hindrances to the way in which people consider spiritual things. The culture was overshadowed and informed by the pantheon of gods who they believed controlled people and their destinies without real concern for them. Our culture calls it fate or destiny. So our culture has adopted Hellenistic views that were common in Paul's day. Now Paul found a way to touch them nonetheless. He found a way to pierce through that environment. And this is a foundational principle of disciple making. In other words, if we want to be a follower of Jesus, and we want to make sure there are other followers of Jesus... We have to understand that 
one of the ways into this work is to identify in the local culture a connecting point for the gospel. If Jesus were to say something to someone who was unsure, unclear, or even ambivalent or rejecting, that might cover many of the people that you know. What's the way into the conversation? How does the conversation begin to steer toward the things of God? So we find that connecting point so that the one or two that you may be discipling might see how they are part of the story of God's saving grace. In other words, people need to know they're already included even if they're ambivalent. That they're already part of something God is already doing, even though they may be unsure, uncertain maybe, even rejecting of what it is we say. So those who train missionaries believe that every culture has been divinely prepared to, dis- to receive the gospel through its stories, through its history, through its songs, the way in which people live together and celebrate culture always has a place for Jesus. Now Luke tells us this. It comes in, in Acts numbers, uh, chapter 17, verse 21. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. Does that not sound like postmodern America? Always want to hear about something new, some new thing, some new fad, some new fashion, some new activity, some new rock band, or they're not even called rock bands anymore, whatever the musicians are called in terms of the particular style of music, the new thing. Everybody wants to hear about that. So standing in the Areopagus, Paul pointed out by looking at one of the statues, seeing this altar. And he says this, As I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. So in that environment, all the things they knew, all their own ideas, all their belief about fate and destiny, all the desire to hear the new thing, the one thing they paid no attention to was the unknown God. But Paul did. And because he could identify it, he then shared the good news. He said, this inscription relates to the one I know, the God who made the world and everything in it. Do you know him? He being Lord of heaven and earth, do you know him? He does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Do you know him? This one, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, is he the one you know? And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their their way toward him and find him. 
See, all of this that we take for granted, all of this that might be arrayed in opposition to the living God has been prepared that we might speak of the living God to those who live among us. I bring this up because it echoes the scripture we did read this morning where we see how the persecution arising from Stephen's preaching and martyrdom led people to flee to areas beyond where they might feel safe. Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, which is in southern Lebanon. All they wanted to do in their fleeing was talk with other Jews about what had taken place. Let me find somebody like me who I can talk to about my pain. And this is what we hear in Acts 11. There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. What? Not to the Jews, but to the Hellenists. What? Also preaching the Lord Jesus. So some in that midst did not flee. Some were not driven by their pain. Some were not driven by their desire for isolation, comfort, but they reached for people just like Paul in the Areopagus. The implication for us who know him is this, that we who know Jesus are often inclined to stay with those who already know him. We take great comfort. We love to be with those who already know him. So much so that we resist the opportunities to spend time with people who don't. It's one thing for the people who don't know him to live as though the claims of Jesus to life-giving resurrection power are not true. It's quite another for his people to live as though that power is not in them. And that that power is not meant to go forth through us who are called in the same way as the men who spoke to the Hellenists. Men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Men like Barnabas, who we know his name, and Paul, Saul of Tarsus. That's where we are in the Western world today. In the United States of America, Christians huddle in their own rooms, in their own clusters, wanting to spend time with each other, living often in fear or reticence to carry the gospel to the Hellenists. Carry the gospel to those who would reject us. Carry the gospel to those who are uncertain and simply waiting for someone to offer them good news. Now Barnabas was sent to Antioch and he wanted to, he was there to observe something. He wanted to see what the Lord was doing among these men who were sharing the gospel with people who were not from Jewish heritage. And he went to, to Tarsus and got Paul and brought him back so that he could see that the Lord who is love displayed was loving Gentiles. He was bringing Gentiles into relationship with the Father through human beings just like us. And on that day, verse 11, 24b, a great many people were added to the Lord. Now, I don't know 
in the Bible, how much exaggeration is there? Sometimes it's a few, sometimes it's a few more, sometimes it's a hundred, sometimes it's a thousand. But in this day, there were some, you see at least, who responded. So Paul was able to see through these men, these men of Cyprus and Cyrene coming to Antioch, speaking to the world about Jesus. He was able to see in these men who actively ministered to people who would otherwise never know about Jesus, that church members, Christians, are called to carry the message of Jesus to the world. In Athens, relating to Paul's time and a few chapters later, Dionysius the Areopagite, Damaris, and those who were with them received Jesus, just like those in Antioch. People receive the gospel when gospel-filled people carry Jesus to them. It happened then. It has always happened in the course, the unfolding plan of salvation, and it will happen with you as well if you'll go. Now, how do we go? John describes this ministry. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, that is, whoever spends intimate time staying deeply connected to me and allowing me to be in him, it is that kind of person that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Being fruitful, though, is the nature of God. God will always be fruitful. He will use whoever is willing to be used. He will take any who are willing to abide in him and use them. It's also true that abiding in him also allows his nature to become our nature. Loving people who want to be loved is easy. We've often used this scripture to try to encourage in the local church that people in the local church should love each other. It's a scary situation if people who are called in Christ don't love each other. But it's a misuse of the scripture. It's too narrow a focus. Because the church exists for the world. And being fruitful is being fruitful on Monday and Wednesday and Friday. Not just Sunday. Jesus says it this way. He says, as the Father has loved me. Pause for a moment. Did the Father love Jesus? So he says, as the Father has loved me, that means Jesus understands that he is receiving and continually receiving the fullness of the life that is in the Father. Jesus says, I love you that way. I love you with that love. I love you with that fullness. You need not have lack. There's no reason for one who follows Jesus to find lack. 
And so Jesus says, abide in my love. Remain in that which I already give. So how has Jesus loved us? John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. The real issue is, we don't lay down our lives very easily. Now, the more we abide in Jesus and see him as our example, the more we abide in the love that flows from his sacrifice, the more willing and inclined we are. But the truth is that in most congregations, when someone asks you to do something that requires you to draw on the love of Jesus and not your own satisfaction, will you do it? Will you take time? Will you give your heart? Will you love those who are unlovable? Will you invest You will only do that if you are abiding in the love of Jesus and not simply abiding in your calendar or not simply abiding in the full and overflowing schedule you keep or whatever it is that would hinder you from responding. Greater love has no one than this. Jesus Jesus is articulating the example, the way of life in the Father. The Father gives Jesus. Jesus gives his life. The Spirit comes that the church may be filled, the church giving its life away, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. What's the command? Love one another. Not just, oh, (laughs) y'all. That's easy. But who are you going to love when you leave here? Is there all y'all out there that you're made and given for them? The Father's nature, His very nature, He cannot deny his nature. It is who he is. His nature is to love. That love is given through Jesus who laid down his life for us. We are his friends. And we then love others who do not know him as we have been loved by him. And we, like those men of Cyrene and Cyprus who go to Antioch, Risk with Jesus that some will say, thank you. Thank you for telling me about the one who is life. I need him. Where Paul goes to the Areopagus and we find those who follow him even in that place 
because they yearn for the life that only Jesus can give. See, it began with people who loved Jesus more than themselves. Men from Cyprus and Cyrene. It extended to Barnabas and Saul. That which they were given is now given to you. He's waiting. It's given to us. Me too. Would you go? Would you abide in Jesus without the church designing a program to make it easy for you? Would you bear fruit with one or two people who don't know him? Maybe you know a Dionysius or a Damaris or someone like the Hellenists in Antioch. Maybe you know someone like that. Show them Jesus. Don't have to bring them to your church. You are the church. Show them Jesus. Invest in them. Invite them to know him so they can follow him also. Remember that those who obey his commands are the ones who find joy. That your joy may be full. Because people just like you choose him just as you have. Let me pray for you now. Father, the good news is meant to break forth from the empty tomb. We who are in the season of Easter have beheld the glory of the Lord. Give us your power. Give us your impetus. Give us your will that we may go into this world and find one or two or maybe another also and share with them the good news of life with you. Lord Jesus, train us to abide in your love. A love that superabounds. A love that cannot be contained. A love that touches and blesses those whom we know. Give us courage. And give us your blessing. That many may come to know you as the way and the truth and the life. Thank you, Jesus, 
for all you are and all you give. Send us now. Lord Jesus, send us. In your holy name we pray.